this week's message comes out of some, some both personal feelings, but also some conversations that I've been having with some other people. And like I mentioned in uh, Coffee with Cam this morning, that the title of this message came not from me, but from our, our worship leader, Ellen, who kind of described um, what was going on. Uh, under the influence, we're all like familiar with that term, familiar with the term under the influence, you know, when it usually like we use it to refer to a time when someone uses some kind of substance or something like that. And when they do, they turn into a different person, right? They, they don't do the things that they would normally do. They maybe say things or think things or plan things that they normally wouldn't, right? It takes them from the person that they normally are and makes them something or someone at least else. And, um, and we all uh, probably can, you know, think of either examples or times in our life where we've uh, noticed that something else has been influencing what has been going on um, in or with a person. So um, I've got some some real talk. All right. So here's a, this is a this is like one of those pause right uh, hashtag real talk moments about the last twelve weeks. Right, the last twelve weeks of coronavirus and COVID-19, and quarantine, and all of that. Um, I've been really, uh, like, un- uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically, um, really self-conscious, uh, really insecure. Like, I've been thinking things about myself, um, believing things about myself that I normally wouldn't, Right? Um, I've been, it seems like it's been easier or quicker for me to get into these little mini seasons of feeling overwhelmed or being depressed or being, um, anxious or just feeling down. In fact, there are, there are actually some nights where I, not, not as a figure of speech, but literally have lost sleep. Just kind of like staying up, thinking like about all of these, like believing that people are saying or thinking things about me that they aren't, right? You know, we, we get into this headspace where you where your mind just goes crazy, right? And all of a sudden you can't really... You can't really distinguish um, truth from fiction. And so everything just becomes truth, right? Well, yeah, everyone must be really disappointed with me uh, and really everyone must not like me and all of that. Uh, And that's been been kind of like a, a constant battle over the last, uh, over the last few months. And as I've been talking to friends, um, as I've been talking to family members, as we were talking in staff, this is happening to other people too. 
not just me, and it is happening to people of all kinds of different backgrounds or whatever. And uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe it's been happening to you too. Maybe there have been things that have really been uncharacteristic that you've been feeling or that you've been going through lately and you don't know necessarily where they're coming from or what's going on, um, but it's really just like weighing on you. Maybe it's happening to you. Maybe you're, maybe you're in it with us, right? Maybe you're not in it with us. Maybe you don't have any idea what I'm talking about or how anyone could really feel that way or what's different about life or etc etc and I understand that too or maybe you're like sitting there on your couch or whatever stone-faced and stoic on the outside but on the inside you're like screaming this entire time yes that like that is I thought I was crazy. I thought I was alone. Like that has been happening to me too, especially since this has all happened. Well, I want you to know um, that you're not alone. If you are feeling that way, you are not alone. And you're also not crazy. See, uh, like, I... I tend to be a pretty well-balanced person. Um, some people think I'm crazy, and sometimes I am, but in general, I'm a, I'm a pretty well-balanced person. Right? So my question for you is, if, if I'm saying that I'm experiencing all these things like a real lack of self-confidence and, um, you know, these, like, just making up things in my head about what people think about me or are saying about me or being um, depressed or overwhelmed or anxious. Like, that's happening to me, right? My question for you now is, do you think I'm crazy? Now, most people I know would say, no, I don't think you're crazy. You're a pretty well-balanced person. Okay, so if I'm feeling those things and I'm not crazy... And you're feeling those things. You're also not crazy. There is something else that can be or does happen in situations like that. And that's a little bit about what I want to talk about this morning. You see, in general, whenever, um, whenever life gets a little crazy, whenever we're faced with like really... Uh, difficult circumstances or um, or all things are like really stressful when there's a lot of pressure put in life and it begins to expose things in our own lives and in our own hearts that wouldn't be exposed otherwise it's like it's like if you have some you have something that's hiding just under the soil right and under normal weather conditions, it's, it, you can't see it, right? It's just tucked just under the surface of the soil. But then a huge storm comes, like unexpected torrential downpour rain. The rain comes and it just washes away that top layer of soil, exposing 
right? Almost like a, an exposed nerve. It exposes that thing. And this, ex, this whole situation or this whole, um, I don't even know what to call it anymore, this situation, this quarantine, this pandemic, this separation of community exposes a lot of things in our lives. And sometimes it's good. Well, I think it's always good for those things to get exposed because it gives us an opportunity to work um, through them, work past them. So the real question then is, well, what in the heck has been going on? If I'm feeling it and you're feeling it and others are feeling it, then what is going on? Well, we are, ready, under the influence. There is something that is going on that is making us, or not maybe not making us, but causing us to do things we wouldn't normally do, say things we wouldn't normally say, think things we wouldn't normally think, right? Believe things we wouldn't normally, under normal circumstances, believe. Just like someone who takes a substance and becomes under the influence and does things that they wouldn't normally do, right? In a scenario like this, um, the circumstances of life, they come to expose, uh, this thing is exposed, some of the things that lay just under the surface of our lives, we are under the influence of some environmental things that kind of exacerbate and expose what's going on. I want to talk about a few of those things this morning, okay? Um, so the, the first thing that I, I, I think we need, to, we need to mention, we can't go any further um, we can't go any further into this conversation without saying this thing here, um, and, it's, and it's this. You and I, um, we who, who follow Jesus, who are Christians, right, who are disciples of Jesus, um, we have an enemy. We have a very real enemy, and his name is Satan, right? The devil. Uh, and some of the things that we know about this enemy is that he hates everything that God loves. And God loves you and I. We are his children. We are his prized creation. Um, and he hates us. Uh, Peter, in one of his epistles, said this. He said in, uh, it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I think we make usually um, two main mistakes when we talk about um, our enemy, when we talk about Satan. Uh, the first mistake that we may make is that we make him like almost equal with God, just like the bad side, right? Like just the yin and the yang, the, the white and the dark. He's just like, when you have the two angels on the shoulder, he's just the red angel, right? He's not the white angel. And so he's like equal with God, equally as powerful, just in a bad way, where God is powerful in a good way, right? That's the first mistake, is that we take 
Satan's power and we elevate it to a point where it is not and it doesn't uh, belong. And so we live in like this abject fear of this all-powerful being who has it out for us. So that's one mistake we make. The other mistake is going to the other extreme side of, um, of that little teeter-totter and saying, well, he's nothing, right? He's not powerful. He doesn't have a plan. He's not strategic. He can't do, he can't do anything. He's worthless. I don't need to be aware or anything like that. Basically, we just almost live in this like sense of denial about about who he is and what he can do and what his power holds. But but Peter's description of him is a really interesting one because he uses the description of of Satan as a predator or as a um, I'm sorry as a lion. And and what is what is a lion? Right? Well, we all know what a lion is, but what kind of, say, predator is a lion? Well, lions are, um, they're, they're not like the type of predators that's going to like run super fast for a long distance, wear you out over time, you just can't get away. Right? A lion is an ambush predator. Right? They're smart. Um, they're they're calculated, right? They will often, um, if they have a choice or an opportunity, they will pick out the, the, uh, the, the prey that is in a weak or vulnerable position that is um, uh, unprotected by the herd or by its mother or anything like that. Um, and Satan is exactly like that as well. He is a ambushing, calculating prey on the weakness um, of God's people when he has the opportunity. And so when we are in situations where we, where circumstances have made us um, weak or scared or uncertain or stressed or overwhelmed, right, we become more susceptible to the schemes of the enemy, the schemes of this lion, to seek to devour us. Satan did this with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, when it says when Jesus had been fasting in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, it was only after that experience in the desert that Satan came to him and began to tempt him, right? Began to attack Jesus's um, identity, began to attack his authority, began to attack his leadership. Not when Jesus was at full physical peak and strength, right? But after a long period of time fasting in the wilderness, even Jesus experienced this time where um, Satan preyed upon him in weakness, So we need to be aware that we do have an enemy that is actively working against us to uh, devour us, especially in times of 
weakness or uncertainty or fear or change or strength. But we do not need to be afraid of these attacks. Um, Jesus is still on the throne. We are still his children. He's not throwing us to a wolf and telling us to figure it out all on ourselves. And in fact, um, Paul writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that, that instead of living in, we don't need to live in fear, right? Because God, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, uh, of love, and of self-discipline. So what, what must we do in a situation like this? Well, I think the, the number one thing we must do is that we must, or we must at least first be aware that this is a reality that is absolutely happening, that, that we have an enemy who is, um, who is targeted against us. But we also must know that in comparison to the God who is in us, that enemy has no power. It's not that he doesn't have any power, but that in comparison to, to the Spirit of God in us, he has no power. 1 John chapter uh, 4, verse 4, says that, that the one who is in me, he that is in me, is greater than he that is in the world. Earlier in the epistle, in chapter 3, 1 John 3, verse 8, John writes that the, the Son of God came to destroy the work of the devil. That the, the Spirit of God, or the, that, the, that the mission, one of the missions of the Son of God, Jesus, was to come and destroy the work of the devil. That he was, he was um, overwhelmingly powerful to do that. And that the Spirit of God lives in you. That he that lives in you is greater than he that is in the world. And so the so the, so the victory over the schemes, the ambushing, the plotting of the enemy does not just belong to Jesus, right? That victory also belongs to you and it belongs to me as well. That we, we both can and are victorious over the plans of the enemy, the schemes of the enemy, when we... When we rely on, when we fall back on, when we trust in the power of Jesus to defeat those schemes. But something else that I've been noticing, apart from just becoming aware of the scheming of the enemy to derail my emotions and my spirit and my heart and my mind is this thing, is that, um, and, and, and maybe this is part of your story as well, and you know, I, um, is that, well, it's this thing, is that we need to avoid, I need to avoid the, the trap of constantly comparing myself to others. Avoid the trap of constantly comparing myself to others. Um, you know, I... Um, I think I've said this in several sermons over the last 12 weeks or so. Um, 
I'll say it again here. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know really what to make of it. You take it for what it's worth or whatever uh, if you disagree with me. But I, like, social media is just a cesspool. <laughs> it, just, it just is, right? It is just a, a place that um, has always touted the ability to connect with people, right? To be social. Um, but I think one of the things that we're learning right now in this quarantine and in this pandemic, when in a lot of ways social media is the only form of connection that we have with some people, is that it's, um, it's a false connection. That it actually doesn't really make us closer to each other. In fact, some may argue that it drives a wedge between people rather than bring people closer. And, and what I was noticing is that as I would scroll through social media, I would come along profiles or posts either on Facebook or Instagram or whatever of, um, of pastors, of of leaders, of authors, um, people that I look up to in, in ministry and in life. And I would see the things that they're posting and how awesome they're doing and how like incredible their preaching is and um, the, the awesome like video editing skills and ministry that they're doing every single day and... Um, just like always upbeat and super confident and encouraging and positive and all of this. And I would just begin to, I was looking at what they were doing. And I would compare what I was doing, what I was capable of doing to everything that they did. So like a one-to-one comparison. Well, why can't I do that? Why aren't, well, I'm not good enough to do that. So really I was using other people's presence on social media to just point out all the ways that I was deficient. Just to point out all the things that I am not. To make, well, hey Cameron, how do you want to feel bad about yourself today? Well, let's go and look at the most successful people and, um, and compare all of the ways that I am not them. And what is interesting about the trap of um, constant comparison is that we never compare ourselves with someone who is like mediocre, Right? We're always comparing ourselves to the person or persons who are like 20 steps ahead of our journey. They're 10 states away, right? We've, we've never met them before. We don't really know anything about their personal life or who they are. We've just, we just see what they put out there and, and we, we must assume that whatever they put out there public, publicly is what they're also um, experiencing privately, right? They, they've got all kinds of success publicly, so they must be all kinds of happy and fulfilled and perfect privately as well. Well, 
think we all know if we begin to think about it a little bit more clearly and honestly that no one really believes that that is true. But what we, um, what we do is we get into this pattern where it is easier to create a narrative of why we're not like them, like all the ways that we're worse or deficient in comparison to them, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to embrace and press into the person that God has actually made you to be. It's much easier for me to look at someone else and say, I'm not that. I'm not that, 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 I'm not that. And let that become the narrative of our mind and the narrative of our heart than it is to say, yeah, I'm not that, but God has made me this, and God has made me this, and God has made me this, and God has given me this, and God has enabled me to do this. You see, this is easy over here, to talk about all the things that we're not. For whatever reason, it's a lot more difficult for us to get into the habit of being reminded of all the things that we are. You see, and the reality is that when we abandon the idea that God has made us and gifted us uniquely, it's really easy for us then to go over to the superstars of life and to just like borrow, covet, or steal the, the, the picture of perfection that is over there and then try to put it on our lives. Well, like, how can I be as good as they are? Like, how can I be a better mom? I, like, why can't I be a mom like that? Why can't I be a pastor like that? Why can't I be a business leader like that? Why can't I be an entrepreneur like that? Why can't I have all that? Why can't I have all that? And so we see it. Right, And instead of being reminded of all the things that we are, we see that over there and we go and try and grab it and then we try and put it on ourselves. Right, And it's like putting on someone else's clothes. Someone else's clothes very rarely, like almost never fit like your own clothes fit. Right? No matter how perfect that outfit may look on them, right? I go and put it on and I look in the mirror and I look like Mr. Potato Head or something. It doesn't fit me because it doesn't belong to me. It's not mine to wear. You, the person that God has made you to be, you are needed. You are necessary. You are essential to the whole picture of what God is doing in this world. It is absolutely necessary that you and I, that we occupy the space that God has given us with passion and, and, and dignity and, and confidence because that is who God has 
gifted and enabled and made us to be. Because if we abandon that place of who God has made us to be, then we leave a huge gaping hole. We'll read this in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 12 and going through verse 20. Paul says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all given the same Spirit. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You see, when we try to occupy the space of the other person rather than occupying our own space, the, the unique and significant identity and gifts and enabling that God has given to us, we leave a huge blank hole somewhere in the whole picture of God's work. It's like a, you know, puzzles have been a, a pretty popular thing to do during the quarantine. And like, can you imagine like doing this whole big, intricate puzzle? Beautiful picture, right? And you get down to the very last space, but you're out of puzzle pieces. One has been lost. <laughs> one, one piece is missing, right? It doesn't matter how complete or how beautiful the whole picture looks. It's always going to appear unfinished because that space, that piece can only be occupied by one space. You can't fit another one in there. You can't, you can't jam something else in there and hope that it fits. It just will never be right. Embrace the God-given uniqueness of who you are. Embrace the fact that you maybe do things in a really particular way. You might not be the same mom. You might not be the same business leader. You might not be the same dad or the same pastor or the same whatever. You, not, you might not be the same as the person that you are comparing yourself against. But you are exactly who God needs. God doesn't need that person to come over and do your job. God doesn't need that person to come over and fulfill your calling. He's given you a calling. He's given you 
a job and he will gift you and empower you and enable you to do the things that he is asking you to do. And you don't need to be that person in order to do the great things that God has asked you to do. Here's one of the things that I have learned in this whole process that has been really powerful for me, but is probably one of the most uncomfortable things that you'll ever have to do. Is that when you're feeling in these places of being like overly under the influence, right? Stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, fearing feeling uncharacteristically insecure, lacking self-confidence, losing sleep because you're making up things in your head that people are saying and thinking about you, is get out from underneath the influence of isolation and silence. Say it out loud. Don't be afraid to say What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind out loud? Don't fall under the influence of silence and isolation. You see, when um, the, the, the only way, I should say it like this, the only way to get rid of darkness, there's only one way to get rid of darkness. You can't pick it up and take it somewhere else. You can't drop it off and leave it there. All right? There's only one way to get rid of darkness, and that's to expose it to light. It's the only way. There is incredible power, and there is incredible freedom in saying things out loud that sit only in the darkest spots of you and I. That is why in most um, like recovery communities, like um, AA and NA and things like that, um, the, the number one or the first step in the process of real recovery and real progress in life is admitting that you have a problem. It's another way of saying it out loud. Don't be influenced by isolation and silence. Admit you have a problem. Say it out loud. Because when we name something out loud, when we say something out loud, it immediately begins to strip away the power that it had. When we, when we come out of silence, when we come out of, of that, that holding it in, right, and we say it out loud, we are inviting other people into our struggle. We're inviting other people into our story. Here's what we call that at Conduit, right? We call that gospel community. So I want to nuance this a little bit, is that when, when you are feeling maybe some of these things and you want to bring what's in the dark out to the light and you want to say it out loud and you want to come out from under the influence of isolation and silence, I, like that is... That is an exciting, and, um, and that's something I want to applaud and encourage you to do. But listen, we've all been in situations where we have said something in a vulnerable time 
that has not been received well. There are such things as safe and unsafe places, people, and times to say things that expose your vulnerability. And some people are bad, are better at it than others. But what I'm saying is that you don't want to just go out and find anyone and just say it out loud. The best and safest place to work through those difficult emotions, those difficult patterns of thinking is in the context of what we call at Conduit gospel community. Another, uh, a small group of people who is committed right, to, to loving each other and being merciful and gentle and compassionate and sharing in life together and laughing together and crying together and taking care of each other, uh, encouraging each other to grow in Jesus, challenging each other when there's when they're when they're when they're doing harmful things to themselves, or when they're, you know, in 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 patterns of of poor choices or whatever, like close knit tight group of people that is founded not on principles of just friendship, right, but on the principles of the gospel that unite people together. Principles like grace and love and compassion and mercy and tenderness and accountability. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 11, Paul says that, uh, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. This is one of those gospel community verses. But the encouragement and building up of one another. I talked about it in uh, Coffee with Cam. I'm going to talk about it here as well. Uh, again, that one of the questions that we asked in the survey that we posted to the Facebook group that you need to go out and fill, if, fill out if you haven't already is, are you involved in a small group? If not, do you want to be involved in a small group? What are some of the um, availabilities that you have online only or meeting in person or whatever? Um, because what we've noticed, what I've noticed in this here, whole situation in this quarantine again is not that people have a lack of content for spiritual growth. We're still producing the content, right? The videos. There's, there's thousands and thousands and millions of sermons on YouTube that are a lot better than the one that you're listening to now that you could go and get your content from. But what are people missing? It's not content. We're missing community. And content is relatively powerless to change and transform our thinking, our hearts, our attitudes, and our lives. Relatively powerless to change all that if it's not worked out in the context of gospel community relationships. And we want to get you in those we want to get you in those types of relationships and we want to help you find uh, a group of people that can love you, that can journey with you, that can be by your side 
to laugh with you at the great things, to cry with you at the hard things, to encourage you when you're discouraged, to, um, to let you borrow some of their faith, right? When they are feeling just so hopeless. Gospel community is a place where you can say it out loud. I've taken the opportunity to say out loud to my gospel community, my small group, um, the staff relationships I have, to say those things out loud about what I've been feeling, insecure, and like I'm not doing a good job, and like I'm failing, and um, that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that um, you know, people are just wondering if I'm going to keep my job over this. All things that I know up here to be false. But that the enemy, right, is just mixing and scheming and ambushing my thoughts and emotions and turning, twisting for me to know that I don't have to believe or let those lies take root, right? That I, I don't need to put myself in positions of comparing who I am or what I'm doing to other people because, because God has made me who I am. And that is not only good enough, that is, that is abundantly enough for what he's asked me to do. And that I can enjoy right the, the, like, the freedom of the weight lifted off of me when I say that out loud to people who I know love me and care for me and are always going to tell me the truth. Getting out from under those influences, the influence of silence and isolation, the influence of constant comparison, the influence of the schemes of the enemy will begin to give you, because it's given me, new and empowered and greater perspective moving forward and moving through a stressful time like this. Let me pray for you, um, and uh, then we'll, we'll depart for the day. Heavenly Father, pray, Father, for all those who are listening everywhere, at no matter what time, whether they're watching this on a Sunday morning, the week that it came out, or whether 10 years from now, someone finds it in the archives of YouTube and it is the message that they need to hear, Lord, we pray for that person now that your spirit, Father, would take the truth of your word and carry it deep down into their hearts. that they would be moved, Lord, by the, um, by the truth of your word to them. That they would be aware of the schemes of the enemy to derail them. That they would reject the trap of constant comparison and embrace instead the uniqueness that you have given them that they would have the courage to say, yeah, yeah, I want to be a part of a gospel community. 
and step into those relationships that can help feed and nourish their soul. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, if you didn't get an opportunity a few weeks ago to go to the Conduit Ministries Facebook group and fill out that survey, um, it's important information. It's going to help us get you plugged into groups. Um, this is something that the leadership team and the staff are working on right now. So I'm asking you please to go and do that, all right? Um, Conduit, you are loved. You are unique. God has positioned and called you to do great things. and He will enable you and gift you to do all the things that he has asked you to do. Be blessed, and we'll see you next time.